The Time Traveling Robots in Space is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast It is Wednesday, September 19th, 2012, and welcome to another Galactic Netcast. This is Time Traveling Robots in Space, number 45. And uh, let me go around the, I was going to say room, but it's not really a room, it's a square. Let's go around the square. Bottom right-hand corner from Glendale, California, Mr. Paul Swickard. How are you, Paul? I'm doing quite well. How are you, sir? Good. You You have news for us. I do. Like, I could, you know, talk about the dude and Glendale who allegedly chased a, tra- a complete stranger with a footlong knife. could talk about that. But- I could talk about a man in a skirt accused of exposing <laughs> himself to a passerby. But instead, I decided to bring another person to the world of Glendale, unfortunately. It's not unfortunate. <laughs> yes, uh, we're, we, my, we, <laughs> me and my wife are with child, so that's happening. Congratulations, dude. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Super exciting. My first kiddo. And uh yeah, we'll we'll see. So like I was telling I was telling these guys pre-show. I'm like, so if you hear like screaming children in the background over the next year, that's that's why. Um and if it happens before then, that is a completely different problem and it's unrelated. <laughs> it's just thin walls. That's that's what it is. Thin walls. Well, congratulations, Paul. Uh, you'll be the first co-host Thank you. to bring somebody into the world during the reign of Galactic Netcast. Because, I mean, Brad has a child already, so he doesn't count. Right. This is the first new addition to our hosts. Woohoo! Yay! I'm sure he'll, he or she will be happy to co-host once. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get him in. We'll train him in early. All right, so uh, the other person, the, so, fem- the okay, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. No, it was uh, my comment was simply we, and I've had this discussion with my wife Erin. We like we. I need to know what the proper order of events is for introducing that child into into various forms of media. So, at what point do I show them Star Trek? You know, what's the perfect age? Like Star Wars, Star Trek, all the big, like, great movies. Like, I need to figure this out. <laughs> well, it's important. maybe this is I something. I think it depends upon the what child. Order. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Maybe we, this is something yeah, that we can work on. Maybe this is something that we can, a project that we can work on over the next few months uh, t- uh, to help you out, maybe. Yeah, seriously. I'm. We will have to see. It, it, like my kid's not going to even like Star Trek. I, I'm totally prepared for the moment where they're like not geeky at all. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's going to be God's payback. You know. All right. It's well, be total jog. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, congratulations. Um, let's introduce Anessa Moyens. How you doing, Anessa? I am functioning normally. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. You almost did a whole like uh, data thing. 
Isn't that something he... That is actually a reference to my pick for the week. So. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm totally excited. And you guys will have to stick around to the end of the show when we do picks to find out what that's all about. Oh, yeah. All right. So this is the show where we discuss um, news and other things related to time travel robots in space, in science, and sci-fi. We do it by running down a new story from each topic, plus discuss our entertainment picks for the week and pose to the panelists one interesting and thought-provoking question for our audio subscribers. If you'd like to see us record the show, we, uh, we do it weekly. Just follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Google+, and you'll be notified as to where and when. See, we were doing this on the Google Plus Hangouts, but I was have a, having technical issues, so we moved it back over to where we were doing it for the longest time on Spreecast. So it's kind of cool to be back on Spreecast again. I've missed Spreecast. Yay. All right. You do. I do. Everything's all nice and neat and wonderful. Uh, and this is... <laughs> <laughs> and this is said as Dave completely locks up. I'm not locked up. <laughs> are you? Are you He's goofing? Are you goofing with me? Uh, you, you're fine now. Okay. All right. No, I wasn't. But sorry. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> all right. Let's start the show. Sector one. Time travel. All right. A. Uh, this is probably the coolest story of the week. Hang on one second. Did we put the the story in the wrong category, Anessa? No, we did not, because it actually deals with time. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, you're right. Duh. Okay. So here we go. A uh, warp drive to achieve faster-than-light travel, a concept popularized in TV Star Trek, may not be as unrealistic as once thought, scientists say. A warp drive would manipulate space-time itself to move a starship traveling or taking advantage of a loophole in the laws of physics. I cannot break the laws of physics, Captain. Um, That was terrible, Scotty. Sorry. That prevent anything from moving faster than light. A concept for a real-life warp drive was suggested in 1994 by Mexican physicist... I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not going to even try. However... Subsequent calculations found that such a device would require prohibitive, uh, prohibitive amounts of energy, like planet-sized amounts of energy. That's how much we're talking here. Um, now physicists say... Awesome if we could find that. What? Nothing. Sorry. Go ahead. Were you having a conversation with your wife? Oh. No, I'm talking to you. We're on a show, Dave. I don't do that. Okay. Uh, I, the whole concept of a planet of energy has that like that that is an interesting concept to me. And by the way, if we did find this planet of energy, there's no way we would do it to like use all of it in order to make a warp drive. I'm pretty sure that would go to like power the planet. Yeah the pan- the planet would be screwed. <laughs> All right, so getting back to the story, because we may not need that much energy, it turns out. Uh, physicists say that adjustments can be made to the proposed warp drive that would enable it to run on significantly less energy, potentially bringing the idea from the realm of science fiction into science. 
There is hope, Harold Sonny White of NASA's Johnson Space Center said on Friday, September 14th at the 100-Year Starship Symposium, a meeting to discuss the challenges of interstellar, interstellar spacecraft. And al um can you pronounce that, Anessa? Um, Alcubierre? That. Drive. <laughs> we'll just call Just call it Al. Yeah. Or you can call him by his first name, Miguel. Okay, yeah. The Miguel that's Warp Drive. Seen. That's what I've seen. Oh, yeah, that's what Paul said. <laughs> the Dr. Miguel. The Miguel Warp Drive would involve a football-shaped spacecraft attached to a large ring encircling it. This ring, potentially made of exotic matter, would cause space-time to warp around the starship, creating a region of contracted space in front of it and expanded space behind. Meanwhile, the starship itself would stay inside a bubble of flat space-time that wasn't being warped at all. Everything within space is restricted by the speed of light, explained Richard Obuzzi, president of Acurus Interstellar, a nonprofit group of scientists and engineers devoted to pursuing interstellar spacecraft or spaceflight. But the really cool thing is space-time, the fabric of space, is not limited by the speed of light. With this concept, the spacecraft would be able to achieve an effective speed of about 10 times the speed of light, all without breaking the cosmic speed limit. The only problem is previous studies estimated the warp drive would require a minimum amount of energy about equal to the mass energy of the planet Jupiter. But recently, White calculated uh, what would happen if the shape of the ring encircling the spacecraft was adjusted into more of a rounded donut as opposed to a flat ring. He found that in that case, the warp drive could be powered by a mass of about the size of a spacecraft like Voyager 1. So, huge decrease in the amount of power they need, going from the size of Jupiter to the size of just a space probe, Voyager 1. So, this is pretty cool stuff. What do you guys think? I think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... A, a lot of it is really hard, I guess, to like visualize how it's actually supposed to happen. It's, it's that whole physics thing. But the whole concept of warp drive would be really cool, because then that means we would actually be able to... That adds the capability of us traveling a farther distance in a shorter amount of time, which means we could explore more. Get into more trouble. <laughs> it's just crazy the yeah. thought that this might be a reality, that this we could actually do this, you know? It's just it's crazy to think about. Indeed. For sure. For sure. Yeah, the I I I kinda always thought the concept was funny of trying to achieve warp uh, you know, light speed. Because even if we got to light speed then it would still take way, way, way too long in order to get anywhere in space meaningfully, yeah. meaning that you would not be able to get to Jupiter in a reasonable amount of time. Like, I don't know how many light years away Jupiter is, but, I mean, light. Uh, there's a reason they call it a light year. It speed of light, it will take you that many years in order to get there. So being able to go beyond that is, I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it's 
kind of it's crazy. And not just not just to be able to get there, but get there in the way that they're talking. Because if you warp space, you're not actually the whole time thing doesn't affect you. Like you can travel from here to um, Alpha Centauri and back again, and the whole like um, going like leaving and then coming back again, it won't be like hundreds or thousands of years like like it would if you were actually traveling the speed of light, right? Am I getting that right, Anessa? Okay, repeat that again. Like the <laughs> whole the whole time difference thing. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if you were to travel at the speed of light to, let's say, right. Alpha Centauri and come, come back again, time would be moving a lot faster for people on earth than it would for you now with warp drive with warp drive you wouldn't run into that right that wouldn't be a problem i honestly don't know how that would affect time as far as time on the ship that you're on and then time on the planet that you just left um i can say that is as far as actually Traveling within the solar system, it would make travel a lot quicker because if we're traveling at the speed of light, it takes about eight minutes for the sunlight to get from, like, the sun to the Earth. And so from the sun to Jupiter, it's about an hour, less than an hour. So if we're traveling at the speed of light, we can get there in no flat. Um, Although I don't know how quickly... We can slow down. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I got to work on that next. So <laughs> it's like I understand the, you know, like just taking off, but I don't know how much energy we would need to actually on and stop. Well, I think you just like turn off. I think you just turn off the engines, right? Well, there's nothing to stop you, though. Yeah, that's like true. Like an object yeah, that's true. stays in motion. That's the existing, whole yeah. inertia thing. Yeah. Uh, inertia. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wait a so, second. That was um, it's your old nickname. <laughs> that was. So, but yeah, you, you've got like the object in motion stays in motion, and there's not really a whole lot of space to stop you unless you just happen to find an asteroid thing to smash into the side of. Yeah, I'm sure that's not as important as figuring out how the whole warp drive thing works. You know, <laughs> if they can figure out, so, you know, that, and tra- if you're traveling at that speed. It would be really, I don't know how difficult it would be to navigate through like an asteroid belt or through the Oort cloud. Yeah, there, through all that debris, like let, what effect that would have on the ship. Yeah, let's start the list of things that we need to take care of before we actually <laughs> attempt this. Shields, for one. That's kind of important. <laughs> yeah, that would, that like, would be oops, nice. There's an asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm kind of thinking of the parallel of planes. Like, they didn't really think much about the whole landing part. They're like, "Ooh, we should figure out how to stop." <laughs> <laughs> we. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so. That's my my thought was that you can travel through the solar system fairly quickly. It's just how do you stop or slow down with enough time? Well, yeah, this is, you know, it's going to be... And what kind of forces would be put on, 
like I guess a person. Inertial dampeners. Inertial dampeners. Come on. <laughs> that solves everything, doesn't it? You know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Re- just reverse the polarity. Reverse the polarity. That's the one. I, that- I'm also reminded of Spaceballs. <laughs> the emergency <laughs> brake never used. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> okay, there, there, there's a few things they got to work out for this to work, but I'm sure they'll solve it. I'm sure of it. Our- I'm sure. Well, they will. okay. Another real quick. Real quickly here, they uh, it, it said that the you know the amount of energy required would be greatly reduced. I'm like, okay, a great a greatly reduced like by how much? Half of a fraction of a percent. Well, because that's what it would take. We're talking about what was a planet-sized ball of energy into what? Like, what's reasonable? What the size of planet Earth? Is that no? They they said that it would be the size of a spacecraft. Yeah, they said it would be the the size of Voyager One. Voyager One. Yeah. It it would be the size of the spacecraft itself. Yes. No. No. the The amount of energy they would need would be the amount that would be contained inside the inside Voyager One spacecraft, or maybe what powered the Voyager One. Okay, so it would fit basically. Yeah, I would say it's probably what's con- what would be contained within Voyager One. Okay, considering it was the size of Jupiter. Okay, yeah. So it's Did a, I, say what kind of energy that would have to be. No, it didn't. They didn't specify. Like, um, like you know, because if it's diesel, then hey, we should build this thing. <laughs> diesel. No, it's diesel powered. Dark matter or something, isn't it? I don't know. Was it was that included in the story? I, I, I wanted, if it is, I missed it. Well, I I'm trying to think back to a conversation this morning between a couple of the physics TAs. <laughs> I was trying to listen, but I was trying to get my work done at the same time, so I didn't catch all of it. <laughs> but this was a topic of conversation, and I want to say that it was dark matter because I kind of made a joke that they needed to find Nibbler because it pooped out dark matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From Futurama. Nice. It's a reference to Futurama. Okay, yeah, that's why that's, I didn't get it. That's really what you have to do, right? I'm sorry, what? Paul, go. Now, talk. <laughs> oh, I didn't God. hear what you said. <laughs> I, I was. It was just going to be a snarky comment. I was just saying, you know, Nibbler. So, really, the goal should be to find the uh, energy pooping aliens, and then we got it made in the shade. Yeah. Uh, exactly. If life was so as easy as it is uh, in fiction, we'd we'd have it made. Good. All right, you guys ready to move on? Ready. All yeah. right. Oh, hey, before we move on, though, we would love to know what you thought about that first story or anything that we talk about here on the uh, Time Traveling Robots in Space. You can reach out to us, reach out and hug us through an email, galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. You can also uh, call our voicemail, which we have one this week that we're going to play at the end of the show. So there's a lot to look forward to at the end of the show. Not only the voicemail, but Anessa's pick that she alluded to earlier. I'm so excited. 
I'm really excited. You just can't hide it. I can't. I just can't hide it. <laughs> also, I know. I know. I know. You can reach out to us on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on the Google Plus. Join us. We've had a lot of people encircle us on uh, on Google Plus recently. Our, our numbers are growing on 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 the Google Plus. So uh, we're all over the place. Find us and uh, let's let's have a conversation. Let's let's rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. All right, Paul. He's famous now, so that'll totally work. I'm not famous. All right, Paul. What do you got for us robot-wise? You know, we got robots. That's what we got. On-set photos of what appears to be. It's not what appears to be. It actually is. It is the Detroit Cyborg Cop character, also known as RoboCop. Everybody's favorite cyborg. The new suit has popped up all over the interwebs. I hope you guys have seen this because we are going to talk in deep discussion about Mr. Robo. I'm ready. AKA Peter Weller, AKA not Peter Weller. Anyway, uh, lead actor, Joel Kinnaman is the, is that how you say his last name? Kinnaman? That is correct. Yep. All right. Uh, but it is supposedly the final version of Mr. Joel Kinnaman's new costume. Gone. These, they have they. Man, this story uses some very bizarre words. You know what? I'm gonna wing it. Uh, it re- so you it replaced this kind of s- sleeker black uniform. Like it has a it it replaced the chrome thing that you looked up in the past with this kind of like Batman suit kind of spiely deal. Like it looked like there are big plates on it, and it looks like the the plates are like where you would normally see musculature there's your word of the day folks and yeah it looks like a it looks like a batman suit without a symbol or with a cape essentially and yeah uh people have had some interesting reactions to this myself included i'm like i look because you look at it and it doesn't it looks it doesn't look quite right it looks like uh it looks like body armor it doesn't look robotic it looks like a suit it actually does look like a suit versus something else, which is kind of what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a suit. It's supposed to be essentially him. Uh, so, yeah. What was your guys' reaction to this? I think it... If, okay, go ahead, Anessa. You go first. No, I was going to say, if someone just gave me the picture that Dave currently has on screen on, on Spreecast, I wouldn't have guessed that it was RoboCop. Because it yeah. just doesn't give me that's, that. That's actually a good. Yeah, actually a good point. Like if I didn't, that's that's a really good point. If I didn't know what movie this was from, I'd be like, uh, Ant Man. Is that Ant Man right there? I don't know. Could <laughs> be. There were some. Actually, in in term, as long as we're talking about comparisons, um, they people some have found it to look a lot like the Rise of the Cobra G.I. Joe movie kind of suits. Yep. They look a little bit like that. Yep. Um, the Avengers was thrown in there as well, though I, I find that to be less of a solid comparison. Um, I'm reminded of... Do you all remember when the first uh, new Batman movie came out? The I, uh, name is now escaping me. Batman right? Begins. Yeah, the first of the Nolan Batman Batman Begins, there. 
I mean, do you all? Do you, I'm assuming you all re- saw this movie. No, it was too yes. long ago, Paul. I don't remember it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm joshing <laughs> you. He says. Well, anyway, what I was what I was gonna say is, do you remember the Tumblr? I remember before the movie had come out, they had the picture of the Tumblr as like one of the first screenshots of the Batmobile, and it didn't have its black finish on it. It had its original, like it, essentially its in its original form. It had the camel on it still. And I looked at that. I'm like, that is not the freaking Batmobile. That's not even freaking close. This movie is doomed to fail. And that was not true. <laughs> it actually turned out to work pretty well for what they were going for. So I guess the optimist in me says that it's really hard to tell based on a non, uh, based on a set photo. Yeah. Like this isn't even a production still. Like this, this isn't like dread, you know, fa- facing the camera with like a pistol or something. This is a, this is just a set photo. That's all it is. But um, we, so, I guess I would reserve judgment. But this, it, it, understandably looks kind of off. Yeah, and it this kind of feeds into the way the suit looks. Kind of feeds into the way the director, I forget his name. Uh, we've talked about it before, though. How he wants, uh, he he want it's this robot's going to be more human than it is robot, and that's and I think that that's the reason why the suit looks more like a suit and less like a robot with a human in it. Sure. Yeah, I, you know, I guess that makes sense. I guess it does. Yeah, and the I guess the visor thingy looks Dumb. almost right. It looks stupid. But I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll, well, yeah, it's... I know why they did that because if it looks what they're going to do is they're going to have as it's it'll be that way so it'll slide over the person's head and then it'll just flip back up when he doesn't need it. Yep. Which I, I must remind people that is not what the original RoboCop did. You know, I know I'm kind of, you know, going on a geek geek race <laughs> here, but that is not what happened in the first like he wasn't able to do that. That was kind of the point. He had to like he kind of kind of had to do that now granted you did see the thing off with his face but it was not supposed to be that way you know it was not designed to come off i guess yep. that's the right way of saying yep it. and the director wants to yeah. he wants anyway he wants this robocop to be more human so that that feeds into that i understand sure um so yeah RoboCop. Uh, it's starring Gary Oldman, Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson, Abby Cornish, and Jackie Earl Haley, and is set to be released on August 9th, twenty thirteen. So plenty of time for post. <laughs> so, Indeed. Anessa, what do you think? Were you a fan of the original film? How are you interpreting this new suit? What's your What's your reaction to this? I was, or I guess I am a fan. I haven't really seen the movie since I was a kid um, that I can remember, but I remember I really enjoyed the Robocop flicks. Um, I'm I'm waiting to see what the product is before I really have a reaction, because I don't want to, like, rage for no apparent reason. <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to do, you're, you're gonna do the whole, you're going to do the whole internet overreact thing? Like, like that is so typical? <laughs> Or you're not going to do that 
whole internet overreact <laughs> thing. I, I will overreact whenever I see the movie. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it, got it, got it. I'm, I'm saving for my, my overreaction for like actually seeing the movie. Here's a fun little fact. You know, factoid for everybody listening who cares. Uh, R- Robocop, one of the first rated R movies that I ever saw. Scared the hell out of me. Like that part <laughs> where the total toxic, the tox, toxic goo got on that one guy and then he got hit with the mm-hmm. car. Like that yeah. freaked the crap out of me. I did not like <laughs> that at all. <laughs> that was not my first rated R movie. I don't even know what it was, but I had seen all sorts of horror movies by that point, so I wasn't quite as freaked out, but it was still pretty. I'll tell you mine, <laughs> but it's going to really age me. You guys ready? Sure, go for it. Caddyshack was, I think, my first rated R movie I ever saw. Aww. In the theater. I didn't even know what Caddyshack was. In the theater. <laughs> in the, in the theater. theater. Your parents took you? No, no, no. Of course not. <laughs> Snuck in with the friends. Come on. Like you got you got some pretty crappy parents. Yeah. You. Man, I see the dumbest shit if I sorry. I see the dumbest crap in like the movie theaters in LA. Like people will pick their freaking infants. Like it's awful. Yeah, no. It will take their infants to these late, late shows. And, I, I mean, we're watching... I was telling Anessa earlier, Dave, like, we got... This week, we got Dread, which I plan on seeing. And the week after that, we have Looper. Yes! And I and both rated our movies. I have no freaking doubt that I am going to see someone way too young mm-hmm. actually watching this film. It's going to make me very sad. But, hey, there you go. And it's that's not an L.A. thing. You know, that's everywhere. No. Going to a movie is not the same experience yeah. as it used to be. Although, the town parents live, unless they've changed it in the past year or so, actually has a role that there's, like, no kids under the age of 12, I think, permitted in the theater after, um, I think, like, 8 or 9 p.m., I think it is. So for the later showings, they don't have, they don't allow small kids. Which is nice. And they serve beer. That is nice. No, they don't serve beer. That is... (laughs) If only. Oh, you know what, Anessa? Have you ever... Some theaters around here, too. Anessa, have you you been to the Alamo Draft House before? I have. I have been to the Alamo Draft House before. Um, I've been to one in Austin, and then I've been to the one in San Antonio. Probably a couple of times. Is that pretty cool? It is cool. Um, we have, I guess, a place or a couple of places up here that are similar where you go order food. They have um, and then um, they have, they used to have Rocky Horror at the Denton Movie Tavern. Um, the shadow casts come and do their thing before the actual movie premiered or they would show the movie at midnight. Um, I never really liked it because I'm not really into Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> yeah, you, you- you, no. you have to be a certain breed of person to be into Rocky Horror. I watched it uh. a couple of times, um, just on my own and with a friend, and I just yeah, it's not the same. I don't know. I just thought it was boring as shit. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't into it. So, all right, which is so. a shame because it seems like something I would have been into. 
All right. Uh, the Time Traveling Robots in Space is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the Galactic Netcast listener. For you, the awesome Galactic Netcast listener and or viewer. Uh, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. To go along with the theme of this podcast, may we suggest Space Cadet, the 1948 novel by Robert Heinlein. I love I love the title. It's so it's so late 1940s, early 1950s, uh, and and reading the description of this book reminds me a lot of Ender's Game. Are you guys familiar with the Ender's Game? I haven't read Ender's Game, <laughs> but I have been told about it and have heard about it. It's on my list. Yeah, I'm just now. Ender's Game is a classic. Yeah, I'm just now listening to it on Audible. Um, but it, this the story reminds me a lot. And here here's a quick synopsis: Matt Dobson arrives at Space Academy, little prepared for the rigorous program he's about to enter. But that's the point of the academy: to take young men and step them or steep them into a demanding tradition of honor, courage, and sacrifice until they have earned the right to join the patrol as guardians of the solar peace. <laughs> Unfortunately, even the Academy's high-power training can't completely prepare Matt and his friends Tex and Oscar for the harrowing test of both survival and diplomatic skills they will face when a mission goes disaster- disastrously wrong. A classic coming-of-age tale and one of the most influential books in the history of science fiction, Space Cadet features the compelling mix of wit, action, and a clear vision of the future that are hallmarks of Heinlein at his best. So I'm guessing that Orson Scott Card was influenced by this story when he wrote um, when he wrote Ender's Game. Don't you think, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It, it... It would be difficult. I would find it a difficult argument if they weren't. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's kind of like, well, yeah. It, there's some influence going on there. Um, but yeah, I, I. So Dave, you said that you were listening to the audio version, yeah? Yes, I am. Okay. I I is any good because I'm I would be I really should revisit that. I know they're making a movie of it now, but I. I definitely, I was definitely thinking about trying to pick up the audio version of that. Yeah, it's it's really good, especially because, and this is very unusual for books I have listened to on Audible, is there's multiple narrators in this book. There's like four or five oh. people doing the narration, so it's it makes it a little bit more characters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but at the same time, they'll use different narrators for different characters. I mean, it's all it's all told. Well, most of it's told through Ender. It's told through a couple other characters, but right. they will switch narrators on the same character sometimes too. So it, it's not necessarily to go along with the character. But I would recommend it. Okay. You should check yeah, it out. Good to know. You can do it. You can get a free audiobook, Paul, oh. through Audible. And all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts again that's audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts and get your free audiobook and we thank audible for their support of the time traveling robots in space Sector three. 
space. All right, Anessa, it's your story. Go. All right. Um, NASA's planet-hunting space telescope, Kepler, has found what scientists call a fitting circumbinary multi-planet system. Two worlds orbiting two suns. The spacecraft found a Tatooine-style world, one planet orbiting two suns, as seen in Star Wars last year, but this is the first time a multi-planet system around a pair of stars has been seen. The discovery shows that worlds can form and survive in the chaotic environment around two suns. The system, named Kepler-47, has two stars circling each other every seven and a half days, which one of which is similar to our sun. The other is a much smaller star, a third size of Earth's sun, and many times fainter. Of the two planets, the inner one, dubbed Kepler-47b, is three times the size of our making it the smallest known transiting circumbinary planet, and it orbits the stars every 49 days. The second planet, Kepler-47c, lies in the habitable zone around the sun, meaning there could be water and or Gallifreyans on it. That's right. It's much like the planet of Gallifrey <laughs> from Doctor Who. Nerd. Um, <laughs> I wanted the story. Um, however, the planet is likely to be a gas giant, and so not suitable for our kind of life, but two hard time lords could doubtlessly cope with it, or perhaps live on moons in orbit around the giant. Um, the thing that I found most exciting, said Welsh, is the potential for habitability in a circumbinary system. Kepler-47c is not likely to harbor life, but if it had large moons, those would be very interesting worlds. 47C is just slightly larger than Uranus and circles its stars every 303 days, making it the longest transiting planet currently known. The whole system lies about 5,000 light years away in the constellation of Cygnus the Swan. And uh, this was actually out of the register.co.uk. Paul's like, this was all like blah, 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 blah to Paul because he's like Gallifreyan... Time Lord, what do these what do these things mean? I have no idea. Like, I get lost. Aww. I get lost in the, the I don't know any of the tech the technical names of any of this. Like I know, hey, there's a planet. There's a planet. Well, there are two planets transiting two stars in the same system. I, I really hope that doesn't make me sound dumb. I just, you know, no, I don't know the names of these. Well, uh, although, like, the, the whole Gallifreyan thing is more of a Doctor Who thing than the NASA Yeah, thing, that's what so. I was giving Paul crap for, really, was that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, why don't you explain what it's transiting a- means? Because some of us may not know what that means. Um, basically, it's um, orbiting, transiting... Um, but as we see it here on, on Earth, the way that we discover these um, transits is whenever it cl- crosses the light source. So basically we have a telescope set up on a star that we've selected. And we basically watch for dips within that star's, like the light that we're getting from that star. And we do have, there are variable stars that that's brightness kind of differs Um Periodically, it'll be brighter or dimmer. But then you also have stars that's brightness is consistent, consistent, I guess. 
Um, except there's an object that's transiting or moving in front of the sun or that particular star, which means we get less light. And so we have to pay attention to how frequent those transits occur, or the crossing across the face of the star that we're looking at. So um, basically you have the object and another object is moving in front of it. That's what we call the transit because it's moving across. Okay. Well, thanks for that very simple explanation for us dummies. <laughs> so that was kind of lengthy just to say you have an object and there's something going in front no. of it, so you call that a transit. No, you did a great job. <laughs> you did a great job. Now, I have a further, I have a question not related to this at all, but sort of on the same subject. Have, have we actually taken, have we taken pictures of planets in other galaxies yet? Um, or I mean, other solar systems. I I want to say we have, but in the form of the transit, because <laughs> it's not like anything you're, you're gonna get detail. It's just gonna be like this tiny little yeah. blob, yeah, basically. So what? Not no I HD. Probably... I want my HD. No, not not yet. <laughs> Sorry, there's no HD out in the outside the solar system. No, I'm kidding. There, I guess there is. With well, if you were, if you were there, taking the extended like overexposures and stacking them and photoshopping oh. the pictures, which a lot of the astrophotography that you see photoshopped like hell. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. It has to be. It has to be. Well, interesting. This is this is crazy stuff. Um, I like this. This is a great story, and I'm glad that we. I'm glad that you assigned yourself to that story. You did a great job this week because Anessa prepped the prepped the show, and you assigned the right stories to the right people. It looks like. <laughs> well, I knew you wanted to, you would enjoy talking about the whole Star Trek thing. And, and Paul, <laughs> Paul, you you nailed Paul. Paul got <laughs> nerd raged about. I know RoboCop's that was costume. awesome. That was awesome. All right, are you guys ready for the crazy um, robot video of the week? Eddie. Absolutely. All right. Uh, usually when we talk about whether a technology is trustworthy, we're talking about how reliable or secure it is. But Nexi, the robot in the video that I'm going to show you in a second, can exhibit body language that, it's, that is intended to make people suspicious. <laughs> Developed by MIT's Cynthia Brazil... Nexi builds on prior research about body language and trustworthiness. Studies from MIT, Northeastern University, and Cornell University identified four factors or four actions that commonly make people suspicious of others. Leaning away, crossing one's arms, clasping one's hands together, and touching one's face while your hands are clasped and your arms are folded over each other. Um, the robot was designed to mimic these four actions and researchers used it in one-on-one conversations with participants in the study. A human provided Nexi's voice to keep the conversational, uh, conversation natural and another controlled the bot's motions. So it's not really a real robot. Uh, the study reports that when people unknowing, unknowingly witnessed certain nonverbal cues, they acted as though the robot couldn't be trusted. <laughs> I don't trust that robot. All right, so let's take a look at the video. I don't trust any robot. Yeah, they're out to kill us. 
So we all share. All right, hang on one second. For the Spreecast uh, viewers, this is for you. As soon as I capture what I'm doing here. All right, here we go. You guys still with me? Yep. All right. Yeah. All right, here we go. They're a big open room. There are lots of cords and gadgets. So it's probably not like your house, but it's home for me. Why don't you tell me about where you're from? Well, I was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and uh, I have a residency in Somerville right now. I've been living there for the past four months. And okay, that was really, really creepy, watching the robot just, just eyeing that person with <laughs> folding their hands. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, creepy. <laughs> Why do they have to make it so creepy? All right, hang on one second, guys. My mini cam is freaking out here. It's crashing. It's about to crash. So give me a moment here. Edit point right there. Okay. You guys can continue talk. Discuss the video. How did it make you, How did it make you feel? It made me feel even more suspicious because there was no suspicion. <laughs> that, okay, <laughs> I, no suspicion. I'm confused. Well, there was nothing like all of the things that I would normally associate aren't there anymore. <laughs> and Paul's getting my voice so that, or his voice so coming back at him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, Anessa, I think you might need to turn your volume down. It I think. To go away after like two seconds. All right. Okay, this is going to be a big, big ass edit point on the on the audio. I think. So, how's my volume? I just well, said I don't think he means your mic volume. I think he, your headphones. Yeah. Yeah, I think your headphones. My headphones. Well, it just, it just happened well, it, because it happened after you came back. That's, that's the only reason I said maybe it's something with you. I didn't know I was gone. I think we're, I think we're hearing ourselves through your uh, headset. Oh. <laughs> I can and mute. Gone. I'm back. Hi, what's no, no, up? No, I... <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Paul, why don't you exit off for a second to see what happens? I'll put you he back. Sure. I'll put you back on. Yeah, I'm trying to get back, back to the top. All right, see, I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it through you, Anessa. I'm hearing it through your your gear. I don't know what's different. Did it just start? Yeah. It's weird. Of course. Well, I can exit out and put you back on top and see if it happens whenever I come back. Why don't you... Because I didn't mess with any settings. <sighs> That's so weird. I don't know why it just all of a sudden happened that way. Hmm. You still hearing it? 
Yeah, you are. I haven't. I don't hear anything. You don't hear anything? Because it sounds like it's coming back from you. Sounds like it's in the back of your... Huh. Nope. That's weird. Is it my hair? Hitting the mic? Is that it? No, that's not it. I can hear myself back through... It sounds like through your stuff. All right. I'm going to... I'm gonna. I could mute you guys and not... No. I'll, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um... I'll bring Paul back, but I'm going to I'm going to actually exit Spreecast completely and then come back on again. So, here, let's uh Hang on. Okay. Put Paul back on the screen. See, now I'm not hearing it. I think we, I think it's fixed. You sure? Are you sure? Positive? I'm talking. Oh, now I hear it again. Damn it. All right. Here, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. Burb. Hmm. Live and upcoming. Live and upcoming. Why is this happening? Stop it. So weird. Why? What's going on here? What's going on? Oh, there it is. Actually, I did concerts. <laughs> Throw up the horn. So have I. I ain't knocking metal. All right, back. Now watch. He's going to make you leave. He's, he is. He wants to move his way to the top. Sounds good now. Let's continue. Okay. All right. Just All right. so you know, I've turned down my volume on my headset. So if I'm like, I don't hear you guys, that's why. Okay. Well, try turning it up once. What? Just, just to see what happens. Just tr- turn it up once. Just a little bit. Okay. So it's. I turned it up some. Okay, I think we're good. Sounds sounds like it's good so far. So, oh, I'm hearing myself How is it again. For Paul? Paul. Yeah, what's up? Can you hear? If I turn it back down. How about now? Sounds I good. Can hear a little bit faint echoes of myself, but it's not so bad that it's distracting. Before I came back, was it? Could you? Was it when I came back that it reappeared? Or see, I don't know because I haven't heard anything. Paul, can can you hear things coming back at you? Are you talking about myself, my yourself, or me? Or can you hear any voices being repeated back at you throughout this show? Yes. At this particular second, no. Okay. All right. Let's just continue um, before it gets worse. Sure. All right. Uh, Before we do our picks, I just want to let you guys know that you can listen to all the Galactic Netcast shows on Stitcher Smart Radio. 
via your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry phone, Android tablets, and the Nook. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts. Enter the promo code Galactic Netcasts and you'll be all set. You're, you'll be all set. Uh, Stitcher Smart Radio is the smarter way to listen to radio. All right, time for picks. Paul, you're up first. Oh, I'm up first. That's fantastic. I'm stalling so I can actually get to what I'm pointing. Okay, <laughs> some of you have actually seen this coming. But I'm going to pick a video game because I can. And video games are awesome. My pick this week is the G- recent released Borderlands 2. And I guess space is somewhat featured in this. And I suppose that... I suppose that time... I don't know. Time travel is a major part of the story. I don't know. That's a good question. But what I do know is there are a lot of robots in this video game. A lot of them, both friendly and ones that you get to blow up. So, yeah, it's it's a good time. Uh, yeah, do you either of you know anything about the game at all? I'm sure you've seen promos. It's been all over the freaking place. Um, I've mainly seen posters. I haven't really seen any video of Borderlands. I don't know anything about it. Borderlands two in this case. So I I'm like I've been told uh. That I should play it though. So this is. So this is a co-op first-person shooter, is the right way of saying it. And it, it the art style is pretty unique. It's somewhat, it's kind of like a half cell shaded kind of look. Like it's very cartoony in that respect. Uh, but yeah, the the whole one of the bigger hooks of the game is the quantity of loot that you are able to get. So it'll have like all kinds of like. Pretty much the variability variability among your weaponry is pretty vast. Uh, like, you know, for example, there's one gun where once you're out of blitz, you throw it at a person and it explodes. And then it rematerializes in your hand. So that's what it does. It's like if you a grenade whenever you're out. You don't need it. You just throw it at people. Very convenient. Um, so, yeah, years. that is my... That is, <laughs> What's that? Well, neat. I don't no. know. I will probably end up checking it out that at some my... point. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's stupid popular. It, the original one wasn't in this in the sense that it, people were anticipating it. It people like it was kind of a runaway hit where people uh, didn't expect. So anticipation was quite high for this one, and uh, yeah, it is a better game. So. If you like the first one, you should play the second. There's really no question about that. So, Borderlands, was it kind of like that whole thing with... Um, oh, what was that video game that was included in another video game just kind of as a throwaway and it became really popular? Portal? Portal, yeah. Is this kind of the same case as with Portal was? Portal. Uh... No, because Borderlands was its own entity. Like, it wasn't packaged with anything else. They just weren't prepared for what the, like, their expectation, like, I interviewed recently on one of their community events. Expectation for how well that game would do 
was, you know, not much. It was like, you know, here. And I'm saying, you know, I'm putting my hands real close together. <laughs> what, you know, and what it turned out to be was like it's not, what they admitted to themselves, like they wouldn't even have had dreams that it would have gotten the kind of reception that it did. So, yeah, and this was three years ago. Um, and yeah, it, uh, one of the one of the reasons I like it in particular is because you can it's a lot of fun to do with friends. It's basically a, a lot of fun to have really awesome weapons that are incredibly satisfying to blow other people up with. That's really what and it's funny. Like it, it's kind of it, it's lighthearted in a in a way that uh, makes it kind of endearing. Cool. Um, uh, uh, th- another one that I'm going to have to take yeah. a look at the videos of of the gameplay or the story because <laughs> that's what I like the most is watching other people play video games. I'm not a video gamer myself, and that's the closest <laughs> I will come is watching them. Should, you know, I'll, I've been trying to think... I've been thinking about getting into streaming video game content, and that would probably be for people like you. Yep, it would. <laughs> no, it would. People dig watching other people's play video games. I don't for some weird reason. It's weird. I don't know. It can be entertaining, yeah, but it can also be frustrating if you've actually played the game and you're like, "Why did you do that?" You know, I don't know. <laughs> I love the ban- I, I love the I've, banter I've back and myself, forth between. It, if the person's entertaining, like the person actually playing it, then it can, you know it, it's a lot of fun. But for me, it's more of a pa- that's much more of a passive. Thing like I'll have that on, and you know, well, reading something else or something like that. Yeah, I can see that. All right, thank but you, Paul. If I ever do start streaming stuff, uh, Mr. Dave, I will let you know, and you can, you know, watch me play video games. I will play it vicariously through you. <laughs> okay, Nessa, I, I thought that you had recommended Robot and Frank before. No, um, Paul recommended the trailer. Oh, that's what it I'm is. I'm recommending the movie. Okay. Because I barely saw the movie on Saturday, so there's no way I could have recommended it before. I okay. think we have, have talked about like the story, yeah. like actual news. Yep. But yep, I think we have. All right, well, tell us about Robot I've... and Frank. <laughs> it's awesome. People need to go see it if they can. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it was a really good movie and, um, I'll just read what, uh, their website says, like the little synopsis basically. And it says it's set in the near future. Uh, Frank, a retired cat burglar, has two grown kids who are concerned he can no longer live alone. They're tempted to place him in a nursing home until Frank's son chooses a different option against the old man's wishes buys Frank, a walking, talking humanoid robot programmed to improve his physical and mental health. What follows is an often hilarious and heartwarming story about finding friends and family in the most unexpected places. So it's pretty entertaining to see Frank's um, initial reaction to being told that he either has to live with this robot or be put in a home. Um, Because his memory tends to go periodically and he'll um, just kind of forget people or places. And, um, so it's, it's really entertaining. Um, 
And whenever I said I am functioning normally at the beginning of the spreecast, um, there's a scene where Frank's robot is ordered to chit-chat with the robot from the library. <laughs> and so the Frank's robot, which doesn't have a name, asks Mr. Darcy from the library, <laughs> um, how are you? And Mr. Darcy's response is, I am functioning. I am functioning normally, and the robot's <laughs> response is, "As am I." That is their chit chat. <laughs> nice. And for some reason, I just thought that was so funny. Well, like but, I said, um, like I said earlier, it reminds me a lot of Star Trek: The Next Generation because it's something that Data would say, like, "I'm functioning right. within normal parameters." So maybe I'm, I'm guessing that maybe <laughs> maybe it's, it was probably inspired. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, it's, it's really neat to see, like I said, Frank's initial reaction and then the realization that, um, yes, the robot has an understanding or a definition for crime and stealing and whatnot, but there's nothing programming to prevent him from committing these acts. And so it's kind of this ongoing battle between the two. So he knows what it is. Right. He knows what it is, but there's nothing that can't do it. So, nothing in his programming. This is, I cannot steal. Plus... And Frank basically finds this out because during one of his memory lapses, he goes into town, he goes to the library, he kind of spaces out, and he decides he wants to go eat at this restaurant called Harry's, and it's been closed for years. And in, in its place is this little bath and body works type shop. So they sell, like, candles and soaps and whatnot. And Frank's in there, and he has a tendency of shoplifting every time he goes in there. And he goes in there one day with the robot during one of his memory lapses, and he grabs a little bath salt in the shape of a cat bath bomb or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> and he's in his pocket, and the store, I don't know if it's the owner, but anyway, the manager comes up to him and wants Frank to empty out his pockets, and Frank says, I don't have anything in my pockets. And as he's talking to her, he's taking it out and putting it back on the shelf. Well, the robot notices that Frank has taken it out of his pocket, put it on the shelf, and at some point swipes the bath salt, puts its bag, and so they leave. And it turns that's when Frank discovers that the robot can shoplift. But the <laughs> robot didn't know he was shoplifting because he thought Frank ripped it. So. <laughs> and and the light goes on in his head, and he decides to and and use... the light goes on in his head, and hilarity ensues, yep. and it's an awesome movie, and people should watch it. Plus, <laughs> one of the stars is Peter Skarsgård. Arr! It's talk like Yarr. a pirate day. <laughs> it is. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. We had uh, we had some fun today on my well, station cool. because our call letters are KCRR. So I had our voice, <laughs> I had our voice guy do some um, talk like a pirate day sweepers, some liners, some you know, you know how radio stations have the DJs and they have the music, but then they always have the big booming voice. I had uh, yeah. our our big booming voice. I had him read some stuff for talk like a pirate day on KCRR. Hi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Aye>, matey. <laughs> Traffic on the one hundred and five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anessa, thank you very much. Uh, my pick is, hang on one second. 
comic books. Can you believe it? I actually picked up comic books at the store. I'm I'm surprised. We have on a, your own. I know we had a um, we have a comic book shop called the Core here, uh, not in Waterloo where I live, but the next town over, Cedar Falls. Um, Cedar Falls is a big college town, University of Northern Iowa. Um, they're uh, NCAA Division One school, um, so a lot of you know younger folks uh, living there. But um, be, that's beside the point. Um, I got. Hang on one second. My computer's all whacked. Um, I got the Doctor Who Star Trek The Next Generation crossover series. And um, the first issue was published in May of this year. It's an eight-issue limited series uh, written by Scott and David Tipton with art by J.K. Woodward. The series is published by IDW Publishing, and it's called Assimilation 2. And the story is the 11th Doctor and his companions Amy and Rory encounter the crew of the USS Enterprise-D, and they join forces to stop an alliance between the Borg and the Cybermen. See, this uh, if, if you're watching us on Spreecast, the cover of this book is kind of a cross-section. One half is uh, the Borg, and then the other half is a Cyberman. So it's a perfect way of incorporating both series together because uh both series have some i've always thought the cybermen were, were very borgish especially when they talk about don't they talk about assimilation or they talk they, they use a similar word as the borg do so um well maybe the borg were inspired by yeah the cybermen yeah the cybermen were around before the borg so yeah you're right um i'm not going to say much more about the story but i will tell you how the Doctor and his companions actually first meet the crew of the Enterprise um, while Commander Riker, Data, and Dr. Crusher are playing out a Dixon Hill hollow, hollow program, the TARDIS materializes in the holodeck. Assuming that the Doctor, Amy, and Rory are holograms, Riker is shocked when the holodeck is deactivated and they remain. So that's how the, that's how the Doctor and the companions are introduced to the crew of the Enterprise. I thought that was kind of interesting how they did that. And that's as far as I've gotten. I've only read the first book. So I will have a another report sometime down the line as to how the rest of the series goes. But I like it so far. So that's my recommendation. Star Trek The Next Generation Doctor Who crossover, Assimilation 2. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Revenge. So... Does it pretty much um, for the show? Uh, no, we got a couple more things. Um, question of the week. You guys ready? I, I wrote this. Anessa prepped the show, but I wrote the question. You guys ready? Ready. All right. Maybe. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I see that Anessa does not have an answer written down here, so maybe she's not ready. Um, I'm good. Okay. If you had your very own spaceship, what would you call it? And I want original names here. Paul. <laughs> okay, I'm going first. Uh, I, I don't know why exactly. Uh, I like the name Bishop. You know, it kind of that alien feel, even though I guess now that I think about it, calling the you know calling a ship from an alien character is a bad omen. But yeah, I like it. I don't know why. It seems like a good, 
it seems like a good uh, it, it seems like a good ship name to me. I think that worked. You know? We gotta it get does a sound bishop. Like a good... Bishop is yeah. heading Mach 2. R, it's a, it's a mighty fine <laughs> ship. R. Yar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Bishop, I like it. Is Would it be the SS Bishop or the USS Bishop or the um, HMS Bishop? What would it be? I think SS Bishop works. See, and that's the other problem too, is that I I kind of feel like some of these ships need to have a female name, but I <laughs> see that doesn't always work. Yeah. You know, saying with that's a true. female name at some point, my my thought like with thinking about the ship names would have been Dora. <laughs> yes, because she's the, she's the an explorer. explorer. Yes, <laughs> perfect. That was like one of my awesome. first thoughts was Dora the Explorer. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, it works. <laughs> She could be a research vessel. <laughs> are you, are you going to go with that, Anessa? Or do you got another one? I'm going to go with that. Cool. Because my other option was Maxwell, so that way I could say to Max when people need to go to the ship. To the Max. <laughs> but I like Dora the Explorer better. <laughs> the, the Maxwell, that would be a great sh- uh, ship name for like a Firefly-type show, you know? Indeed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I had a couple ideas for ship names, but we'll go with Dora. Cool. She's a research vessel. <laughs> She's exploring. That's perfect. Like it. All right. Well, mine's pretty boring next to you guys's. Um, <laughs> mine is the Galactic Builder. Um, I had to put Galactic in there just because it's exploring the galaxy and to honor Galactic Netcasts. Um, and then Builder, because there's a train that goes across the northern part of this great country of ours called the Empire Builder. And it was kind of used, it's still there. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a running line. It's a train line that's been running for years and years and years and years. But it was originally set up because we were building the West. And that was the name because, you know, we're using the train to bring people out to the West to build the country. So I figure Galactic Builder, we're going to build, we're going to, you know, populate the galaxy with humans. Um, and we're going to build out, we're going to build out the galaxy. <laughs> Could have called it Bob. <laughs> Bob the Builder. <laughs> yes. All right. Bob the Builder. That's, that'll be the nickname for my ship. Bob. Bob. Although, can we fix it? Doesn't really apply to the galaxy, but I'm sure we can come up with something else. <laughs> well, maybe maybe there's some spots in the galaxy that need fixing. Maybe. Yeah. So. All right, there we go. Those are our names to our ships. Thank you, guys. Great answers, both you guys. Um, all right, before we get out of here, we have a voicemail to play. Hi guys and Vanessa, this is Derek. I love your sh- all your shows. I just started listening to them. And I have to listen to your newest episode of uh, "I'm Traveling Robots in Space," and uh, I thought it was funny that Dave mentioned uh, going back in time and being your own grandfather. That he never watches animation, but that was an episode of Futurama called Roswell that ends well. I just thought that was kind of funny. All right, guys, I listen to you on Stitcher. I love you guys. You're great. All right. Bye. Thanks, Derek. That was awesome. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love getting voicemails. <laughs> Me too. 
it's so cool that awesome. and it's so animation cool that Dave. yeah the whole animation thing is you know people kind of gl- latch onto that a little bit <laughs> you can your ground you want to but that's yeah that's not good <laughs> what <laughs> what Nothing. No. What? 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 You're cool. You know. Keep up. Keep up the snow animation thing. I. I'm gonna stick to my guns. There'll be a few exceptions from time to time. Like I have watched Futurama episodes. I have watched some other animation. So it's not like I'm not totally watching animation. It's just not my preferred type of entertainment. That's uh, all. So sue me. All right. I know the episode that he's talking about, and it's pretty damn cool. I'm gonna have to watch it, and I will. I will say, I Derek, I, I'm gonna that that'll be a recommendation of mine. I will. Uh, I will talk about that as a recommendation, maybe next week. All right. All right. All right. That's the show, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, any final thoughts before we get out of here, Vanessa? Nope. <laughs> Vanessa, <should laughs> I respond to that as well. It's cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. And Paul, final thought. Be, Be excellent to each other. Excellent to each other. Thank you. We'll talk to you guys later. Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com.